0: Welcome to the podcast. You're here with Chad James. Nico is eagerly waiting to jump in here to discuss the Anom app because right now here in Sydney, the Lidcombe Coroner's Court is hearing arguments from 50 defendants who are challenging their charges, which came about from the FBI and AFP's use of specially rigged phones with this Anom app capable of spying on their users. So they're challenging the legality of the AFP's use of the devices, and whether or not they had the correct warrants to be able to carry out this mass surveillance effort. Worldwide, over 800 arrests, 40 tons of drugs, 250 guns, 55 luxury cars, and get this, over $148 million in currencies and cryptocurrencies have been seized, right here in Australia. Over 50 devices had been sold. Police arrested 224 suspects, they seized 104 firearms, and they confiscated cash and possessions valued at more than $45 million. Nico and I, we're going to take you through the background, where the app came from, how the FBI flipped the original maker of the app to cooperate with them and use it to catch criminals like I'm saying, around the world. But here's the thing, ladies and gents. That type of surveillance is illegal in the United States. It's unconstitutional. So that's where we come in here in Australia, the Australian Federal Police. But how and why? Let's jump on with Nico and get to the bottom of this. Hey, Nico, take us all the way back. Let's build this up from the ground so we can get everyone up to speed as to what's happening as we speak here in Sydney in Lidcombe. Sure. Okay. You know
1: there's criminal organisations around the world, right, Chad?
0: Yeah, I do. All (laughs) too too
1: well, mate. (laughs) And they need a way to communicate with each other because regular means of communication has a problem of getting intercepted
0: by police. Okay, so I'm a drug dealer. I have a phone. I organize criminal activity on my phone and it's easy for police and authorities to track that data.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So enter a uh, product someone came up with called Phantom Secure. These guys, they got regular Blackberry phones. They took out the cameras they disabled like the GPS in them. They even disabled the mic to stop someone being able to like hijack the phone and do hot miking, right? And they set them up so that they could just be used for secure email. And criminal gangs were using these all over the world. I think um, a mate of mine that knows knows more about this stuff than I do, he was telling me that apparently it was set up by Hell's Angels in the US.
0: Okay, like a bike so, game.
1: Yeah, Hell's Angels is a biking, and the biker gangs over here were using it. But um, in 2017, the whole Phantom Secure network got shut down, so they got busted by the FBI. Right. All their servers
0: got shut down. So there's a gap in the market at this point. We're talking 2018, beginning of 2018.
1: Yeah, 2018. There was also another. There was also another, I guess, competing product at the time called EncroChat, which was doing a, a similar thing. Okay, and that and that was in Europe and that was, that started off as legitimate but apparently um is it Europol they hacked it and backdoored the the server and then they got a dump of all of those messages as well so that that whole product went right 2018 there's a gap in the market uh, i think the FBI arrested a guy I th- i'm not sure whether it was the Encrochat guy but it was one of these guys that was involved in like creating these like secure message apps for crime gangs right he did a deal with them. He flipped.
0: Uh, they flipped him.
1: They flipped him, yeah. Wow. Okay. He had
0: a product that he'd been working on, which he called a nom with a zero, right? So is this guy like some mad, like techie scientist type? Or is he like a drug know. dealer? Bit of both. Right. Yes. Okay. So he's a tech nerd like you, but he's aligned with criminal gangs and drug dealers and whatnot in the United States.
1: Yeah. And so that's that's the one part of the story that we kind of know about, right? Yeah. That he had this product. And then the second part of the story is that, I don't know, this, this sounds like a joke, but apparently there was an FBI agent, an AFP agent, and a Europol agent at some conference having a beer at the bar after a conference. What's the punchline? The punchline is that they came up with, This whole Ironside scheme, that's the punchline.
0: Right. So there's a couple of schemes that came out of that meeting. Number one was Operation Trojan Shield in the United States. That's what they called it. And in Australia, the AFP, we called it Operation Ironside. And also in Europe, they called it Green Light. So we have these really sexy names, Operation Trojan Shield Operation Ironside, and the best the Europeans could come up with was green light. Yeah. Anyway, that that was what I took from that. Was that the Swedes that, that came up with green the light? The Swedes did well out of this. Yeah, they made quite a few arrests out of this. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry,
1: continue. <laughs> three three cops in a bar, they, they cook up this scheme that, hey, what if we take this a non-app and we distribute it just like all these other secure phones
0: have been distributed for messaging, but we backdoor them. Okay, So stop. What does backdoor mean? <laughs> and don't give me a sexual explanation.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to. Okay, so, so backdoor means that – you know what? It's like the voting machines, Chad. It's like <laughs> – Oh, no. All it, all it means is that you have a piece of software – and it has an on-label function, right? You buy, it, you buy it and it says it does X. But secretly, there's like a little surprise in the code and it's doing something else which you weren't told about. And the thing with the thing with software is you can't you can't really know because once software is compiled and running on a phone, even if you look at the code, it's difficult to find out what it does especially for an everyday user but even even forensically forensically it's um not not that easy to figure out what it's doing so backdoor means that it's got some kind of secret code that's doing something that you don't know about so what these cops decided to do was backdoor this messaging app and every time you send a message to someone with this secure phone, it takes a copy of that message, it probably sticks some extra metadata on it, like your location, probably device name, and it sends it off to another server.
0: Okay, where was this other server? In fact, there were two other servers, and guess where they were, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, they're in Sydney. I'm pretty uh, sure
1: they were being hosted at uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services in Sydney.
0: Yeah, right here in Sydney. Why were they in Sydney if this was an FBI operation?
1: I'm not sure. The the kind of rumours are that it was in Sydney because of our surveillance laws. So if you remember that uh, Dutton had
0: these- uh, Of course Dutton's involved in this shit. Anyway, (laughs) anything to do with dodgy surveillance or raiding in the last 10 years- you know Peter Duddenwood is involved. Anyway, continue, sir.
1: Apparently, we have a jurisdiction that's much friendlier to doing this kind of surveillance than the US because in the US, you have uh, you know, rights against unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, you, know, you can't surveil your citizens outright. Where- Jeez, you're being
0: so polite with this. Basically, mm-hmm. basically, let me put it to the listeners in a okay. different way in layman's All terms. Right. Australia is the United States little bitch. If the United States authorities want to get something done, but it's illegal in the United States, they just export it to one of their allies. They get their allies to do the dirty work, and then the allies share the data back into the, into the United States. Look at Pine Gap in the middle of Australia. One of the reasons why Pine Gap is in the middle of Australia, apart from the you know geopolitical significance of being in the Asia-Pacific on the middle of a massive continent like Australia, is that we can share data with the United States and they can bypass their own laws by getting us to do that for them. So, for example, yeah, the United States well, isn't allowed to spy on its own citizens. So they get their allies to do it and we just share the data with them and the technicality is, well... We're just doing data sharing with this Five Eyes, you know, organization, but the US authorities didn't technically surveil their own citizens. And then from a national security perspective, the United States doesn't classify that as espionage <laughs> by a foreign yeah, agent because we have from agreements. A national
1: secu- look, for a national security perspective, yes. And but I mean, this wasn't being done at national security level, right? So we're not talking about spooks doing this stuff. We're talking about- Well, we about, don't know that,
0: do we? What I, I mean, granted, sorry- it, what we're talking about here is uh, criminal syndicates, drug dealers, murder plots, bikies, all that sort of stuff. We're not talking Look, about terrorist plots.
1: Without going into speculation, and it's possible that there, that there was a national security element of this, but obviously we don't know about that. All we know is about the involvement of uh, FBI, AFP, yeah. and these criminals that have ended up being charged as part of the the, the raids or the output of this yeah.
0: surveillance, right? Can I just make one point? I just want to cap that off so people understand the significance of what we're saying here. Australia, we act like this was something that we did. This didn't originate in Australia, all right? We teamed up with the United States. So the Australian Federal Police teamed up with the FBI to cooperate with these devices. And the reason why, in my opinion- is because the United States needed a foreign entity, being Australia, an ally, to conduct that kind of surveillance. We can talk about if it's surveillance or not, um, outside of the US's jurisdiction because it's unconstitutional to do that in the United States. So don't think for a second, ladies and gents, that the US came up with this idea over there when they flipped this guy who had charges pending and said, hey, why don't we call our mates in Australia, see if they want to get in on this because, you know, we're friends. That's not how this worked. There was a very specific technical reason why Australia was involved. How, how does that yeah. sit with you, Nico?
1: Yeah, no, look, I, th- I think that's right. And I think in the in the US, because it's probably a lot harder to get, you know, basically a dragnet kind of, Warrant like this yep. in the FBI. Which
0: means you can do whatever you want.
1: So basically, it means op- open slather. Like, we're, we're we going to give out these phones and we're just going to take everything and then we'll fish through it and see what we find that's illegal, right? Okay. I think you'd we're we're going to come back
0: to that. We're going to come back to that because that, as you know, is where my main gripe is. So we'll come back to this whole idea of open-ended warrants and specific warrants, because as you can probably tell, ladies and gents, my opinion is that, you know, put all the criminality aside that we all can agree is antisocial and we need to stamp out. What I think happened here should be illegal, even though a court in South Australia, or the Supreme Court, no less, in South Australia has ruled that it was legal. So, Nico... Let's taper off this background. We've been building this up. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay Give okay. us so, just a basic example, like a working example, of you and me. We're both criminal associates. I have an one of these phones, and just so people know, Anom is an app. It's not a phone. But these. Oh phones, no 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 no! It's a phone. No no, but you needed that phone, that hardware, to have the Anom app. So you communicate through an app. They were on, sold. They were sold as a package. C- correct, correct. And the way to get into the app, you had to go into the calculator of the phone <laughs> yeah. and put in four nines and it would give you access to the app. So this is like full on like CIA MI6. Bullshit. Oh, so that, I mean, MI5, that's, sorry.
1: that's that's what you call security theater. So that's yeah. that's. that's- that's purely for like the wow, look how cool and secure this is. <laughs> it it's just it's just so all the drug dealers thought that they were like spies. Like check yeah. this out, bro.
0: Look, <laughs> oh, is that how it I goes? put
1: in I put in some nines in the calculator, <laughs> and look, there's a secret messaging
0: app. Okay, so you and I, back to our working example, we're trying to set up a deal. So I say I have drugs. You say I've got cash, and I send you. The coordinates. So I say, okay, let's meet up on Friday night at eleven PM at the docks, wherever your docks are, and we will do the exchange. That's precisely how drug dealers communicate, by the way. Just if in case you're wondering, ladies and gents. And what happens then? So I press send on my end in that Anom app on my little phone that doesn't have a microphone, doesn't have a camera, doesn't have location services. What happens? to that message when I press send.
1: Even even the expert witnesses don't exactly know what was happening because they didn't have, the AFP didn't give access to all the source code, but what they say was happening and from other other people on the internet that have actually gotten one of these devices and done some forensic analysis on it, what they say it was doing was it was encrypting the message securely
0: and sending it to its recipient. So encrypting means scrambling the yeah, numbers yeah, and yeah. letters in the text message.
1: Yeah, into, into a way that
0: only the recipient can decrypt them. So if someone right. was watching in a text sense, all they would see was scrambled numbers yeah. and letters. So if
1: you're, if you're watching, if you can look over the wire over a network at what that message has in it, it's impossible to read the message.
0: Because it's, it's encrypted. It's meaningless unless you have that decoding ability.
1: So there's some strong uh, mathematics behind how a lot of the encryption works. And it basically means that, yeah, the only person that can read the message is the intended recipient.
0: Okay. So you receive that message? Is that the next step after I send it? Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's fine. Everyone goes Uh, home and no one's listening in, right? Sure. And it's, it's how a lot of these are
1: messaging apps like WhatsApp and SignalWork where they say they're, they, they call it
0: like secure end-to-end messaging. End-to-end encryption. I've heard about that.
1: Yeah. So then yeah. explain
0: to us what's the difference with this Anom app and what were the police doing? How did they right. get into that process of me pressing send and only you being able to see that message?
1: Okay. All right. Can, can, can we take some step, steps back? After the cops had set this up, Right. And they'd kind of done a proof of concept to go, okay, well, we can, you know, send the message and at the time that the message is sent to the recipient, we also re encrypt that message and send it to a server in Sydney. Right. With some extra data about the phone. Okay. uh, Maybe GPS location. Okay. What some other kind, maybe like what Wi-Fi
0: network it's connected to. So can I explain that in the way that I understand it? Because I think you have sort of an expert level understanding, whereas I'm a novice. The way I think about this is to picture that server that Nico's talking about as a third phone. So imagine when I press send to get that message to the intended recipient being you, Nico, The AFP and FBI built in some coding into the back end of this app and the phone to send them on their own phone, which is a server in Sydney, all of the details of the original message plus all this shit about where I am and who I am, what the serial number of this phone is. So it's effectively like sending a criminal message to a criminal and then sending it to the police station at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and I think the uh, the analogy or the
1: way they are exp- trying to explain this to judges was to say it's like automatically BCCing somebody in an right. email, right? right? So it's like an automatic BCC to these servers, which right. is BCC is blank carbon copy, yeah. which is when you send an email
0: and yeah, I you think put in a BCC. BCC, BCC is. Is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a CC because the recipient can't see who it was – who's eavesdropping. But hey, listen, this is where it gets into the technical legal side. This is probably the best point because this is the problem, right? The criminals that were being caught, and we'll get to how many there were and all those details in a moment, but they have launched some legal challenges, both in South Australia already and currently in Lidcombe in Sydney, which is why we're talking about this with you today. Because you see, normally, police, as you've probably heard, can get a warrant for surveillance, like a surveillance warrant. So a really sort of basic example of a surveillance warrant would be police doing a stakeout outside your apartment, waiting for you to leave. And then when you do leave, they have a warrant to, you know, discreetly enter your apartment and put like listening devices and bugs everywhere. Police need a warrant to do that. Okay. And when they do that, they're doing surveillance. Now, what happened here is potentially interception. Interception and surveillance are different. And they require different warrants. Exactly. So the argument here is that, okay, sure, the authorities had this all set up, that it's, you know, really sexy the way that they did it. Very, very good. But did they have the correct warrant to use that technology? Did they have a surveillance warrant or did they get an interception warrant? That's the question. Now, in South Australia, the Supreme Court has ruled, I think there were three, uh, three men who were contesting the charges based on the warrant. The, 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 the court ruled that it was legal, that the police didn't do anything wrong, that it was all above board and the charges stick we're now going through that process like we're saying for up to 50 people here in New South Wales Nico in, here in Sydney sorry in in this Lidcombe Coroner's Court mm. as to again another challenge as to the legality of the police's you know activity given the warrants that they would have used what's your personal opinion Nico regarding whether it's surveillance or is it interception honestly it's probably a bit of
1: both. That's, that's, that's the real answer. It's surveillance because it's like a listening device in that it
0: sits at one end and it captures messages, right? Which is what surveillance would be, right? Yeah, so it's not different to the, you know, listening device that they put in the apartment that I said before. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. But then it's also it's also interception because...
0: Because they bugged it to send themselves the same data. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. You don't, see, yeah. we disagree on this bit. You don't think that this is a big problem, do you?
1: No. I know why, I know why it should be a problem, but I don't have a problem on who it's being used against yeah. because yeah, no, these I guys understand. are drug dealers and criminals. Allegedly. Right? So- Allegedly.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Allegedly. No, it is. None of them have been convicted yet. It's alleged. Um, let me give you my take. Okay.
1: Well, that's that's true. That's true. They could have they could have been documenting their crimes for. uh, They could have been talking about a film script that they were writing about. Well,
0: yeah. There's a whole number of scenarios. I'm sure that's that's a good one. You should tell them. Maybe they're listening. They'll use that as a defence. Who knows? This is my argument, and bear with me because it might get a little bit technical. Okay. Normally, when police go and get a warrant, search warrant, whatever it is. Usually they suspect a crime has already taken place or is about to take place. For example, say the police from an informant get a tip off that there's going to be an exchange of drugs and cash at the docks at 11pm on Friday night. They can then go to a judge and get a warrant to bug those premises where the docks are or to bug the phones of the people who you know might be involved, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't have a problem with that because it's specific to a crime. Again, that's already happened or about to happen. So if they suspect the crime has already happened, and this is how many criminals get caught, they might go and bug them, bug their phones, and hope that they'll call up their accomplices and talk about it. You've probably heard of many stories of people getting caught from talking about a bank robbery or a heist or a murder after the fact. And that's how they they get them busted. Now here's the problem with what happened here. Nico, feel free to sort of help me explain the scale of this, but basically in a nutshell, the AFP and the FBI, you know, they became aware of this technology. They then encouraged this person who they'd flipped to start distributing this phone on a larger scale, right, with the Anom app, and they just wanted to see what they could pick up. So there was no specific crime that they had suspected. It was more, okay, we have a backdoor entry into any of these phones. Let's get as many of these phones out on the street as possible around the world, and let's see what crimes we can discover. That's called phishing. Phishing. They don't actually suspect a crime. That's the problem that I have with it. It's basically let's spy on these individuals who have tattoos and brown skin and let's see what crimes they commit. You can't do that. There's no search warrant for that. Yeah, okay. So in terms of the scale,
1: by the end of this operation – they distributed like eleven thousand devices <laughs> all over the all over the world. Yeah. And it was it was kind of like it was like really cloak and dagger, like hey, you had to get one. It was kinda of like Fight Club, you know, you had to you had to know somebody to give you a recommendation and you could only buy it through like a criminal network,
0: right? Yeah, you let's put let's like, put some numbers on this. Buy it
1: online. Yeah. And one one of the guys that they got, so who is who is the, the name of the uh, the Aussie like bikey gang guy that, oh the that the they Turkish
0: got? guy? His name is Hakan Ayik, I believe. He's a, a, a drug trafficker. And he, here's a quote. He was identified as someone who was trusted and was going to be able to successfully distribute the platform. So they basically got this mad gangster. And he, he didn't know, I don't think. He wasn't no, like, he didn't was, flip him he, or anything. No, it no. It was
1: given to him yeah. under the guise of this is a secure way to communicate yeah. with all your, all your buddies mm.
0: and- he became the distributor. Yeah, one of them. So in total, there ended up being over 800 arrests worldwide. They seized, get this, around 40 tons of drugs. That's right, 40 tons. 250 yuns, 55 luxury cars, and over, here we go, $148 million in currencies and cryptocurrencies. This was massive. This was huge. And here in Australia, we had 224 suspects, 104 firearms confiscated and around $50 million in in, in Aussie money uh, collected as a result of, of this operation. So again, this was huge. It's so huge that these
1: hearings, these preliminary um, hearings that they're having, uh, for these 50 guys that have been charged, they're happening in the forensic court in litcomb because it's the only
0: venue big enough
1: <laughs> to hold everybody. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why it's out there. Is that, is that there. why?
0: Yeah, that's why. Oh. why? Where, where should it be, like the Supreme Court or something? There's not enough room. Yeah, but where, where, to... where would it be alternatively um, if size, size
1: wasn't a problem? Yeah, district, district or supreme. I guess it might be Supreme Court if it. Depending on how big the offence is, but yeah,
0: yeah, wow, yeah.
1: there you go. So that's 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 how many that's how many uh, people that they have to deal with. Like, so it's huge. so
0: here's a little Easter egg for those uh, long time listeners, and for those of you who listen to all of our shows, do you remember when we were covering the Bruce Lerman uh, defamation inquiry, where Justice Lee kept asking why Mr. Corn? Remember Mr. Corn?
1: Uh, baby corn, yeah, baby
0: corn. <laughs> Why Junior Corn was tied up in Lidcombe? This is where he is. This is what Mister Corn was tied up with. This issue because yeah, he's, he's a criminal. Yeah. he's
1: a criminal lawyer. Yeah, so he was. Yeah. So there, there you yeah. go,
0: a little Easter egg for all of you who are who have been listening intently. So where does this leave us, Nico? I mean, I really wanted to get into a conversation with you after we've gone through all the technical stuff and I think we did a good job of getting that balance right because for those of you like wondering, Nico could probably talk for a couple of days about the technical side of all of this. So thanks, Nico, for <laughs> for reining it in and I think you did a really good job.
1: Excellent. Let's have a discussion about entrapment.
0: Yeah, let's, sure. talk, let's talk about entrapment. Okay, so traditionally and this usually happens in the United States, they're very good at entrapment, particularly the FBI. You've probably heard about entrapment. You know, people try and lay claim to entrapment, particularly with regards to January 6th and also that kidnapping. That was probably the closest like, recent example uh, of what entrapment is. Which, which governor was it? It was the governor of Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. There was a plot, a domestic terror plot, to kidnap her and... What we ended up finding out is, you know, a couple of the men involved in that were actually FBI agents. And that's what entrapment is. It's a specific scenario, right, where a federal authority or or any authority, I should say, put an agent into a situation where there are potential criminals involved, and they hatch a plan to incriminate those criminals. So they might go undercover undercover into a bikey gang and they might hatch a plan to assassinate or murder someone and they give them the motivation, the impetus, sometimes even the funding and the resources to commit that criminal act. So the key for entrapment is would the crime have occurred in the absence of the interference from the authorities? So a, a good example is You know, was the crime already planned? Like, did they already plan to make the exchange of drugs and cash? And then the undercover agent just went in and, you know, assisted police to surveil them? Or did the authorities actually hatch the plan themselves and put the wheels in motion to incriminate the, uh, you know, the individuals? One is entrapment, in my opinion, and the other isn't. So bringing it back to what's going on here. I don't think it's entrapment, but I don't think it's surveillance. I think it's somewhere in between. And the reason why is because the crimes would have already been committed. All the authorities were doing was having this like hardcore interception of communications. They weren't necessarily facilitating the crime, which would be what was required. Well, they were
1: facilitating communication of the crime, but- but I think, I mean, look, I don't think it's entrapment either because with entrapment, I mean, it's that you've got like a undercover agent, like sitting there, you know, enticing or encouraging them, uh, or yeah, like giving them like support. Yeah. Let's go blow in committing a bridge. Crime. Yeah. 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 Like, so I don't, I don't think this goes all the way there. But you, I mean, the argument you could make was, well, you gave them this secure like platform to communicate on, and they used that to organise committing crime. So, but then the, I mean, the other argument would be, well, there were other secure phone
0: apps that they were that using were pre- previously on the market that they were using beforehand. But so back to my question about a fishing yeah. expedition earlier on in the podcast. Yeah. What were the warrants for? So, look,
1: and there hasn't been a lot of information on this out there, but from that South Australia case, it seems like at least the AFP, they only got a surveillance warrant on the Rick and Morty server
0: in Sydney. Okay, you'll have to explain that. Okay. Well, they they labelled the servers Rick and Morty for a start. Oh, did we
1: not explain that? No, no,
0: no. That's okay. Well, they, there's the explanation. Okay. What, what, what's the significance of having a warrant on a server? What, what does that mean? Go back to how we were talking about the messages for you know, the sender
1: and the recipient, and then there was a copy being made like over that was being BCC'd somewhere. The message that was being BCC'd was going to the server sitting in Amazon Web Services in Sydney. So there were two of them. I guess one was a backup or they were splitting the load or something. But the uh, the uh, guys that came up with this whole scheme, they called the servers Rick and Morty. So I guess so that was the name who, of the who server. Who owned
0: the servers? Federal police, I think. Why do you need a warrant to spy on your own server? I'm not sure. Are you sure that they owned these servers? Well, maybe not.
1: But um, It has, has to be because they were the ones that set it up.
0: Right. So it wasn't the, the guy that they flipped in the US that owned the servers. It was the actual authorities that owned the servers. I think so. Well, I think that's that's, fa- that's, facilita- that's facilitating criminal communication. Well, only copies of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so technical, look, look, right? Ma- look,
1: maybe not. Maybe, maybe it wasn't technically owned by the federal
0: police. Maybe it was done yeah, by we- a third party. Well, that explains why they would need a warrant
1: look yeah look I, I don't I don't know whether those servers were owned by the AFp that's a really good question, but the, the they had surveillance warrants for those two servers which were receiving those messages, and that's the only warrant that they had so it wasn't it wasn't a communications interception warrant right so a communication interception warrant is a different kind of warrant for. For surveilling, like somebody's like SMS messages or phone calls, which you te- te- traditionally you'd go to a telco to do it, and so you have a suspect,
0: but they know, didn't we, even have a No, suspect. they were involved
1: in a, in a criminal this investigation, the and they'll put they'll get the person's phone number and they'll put it they'll put a warrant on there just to collect you know all the phone calls uh, that they have and all the voice calls and everything right that's that's what they would do traditionally they didn't have a suspect for an interception
0: Nico. warrant they didn't have a suspect that that's the point i was making before yeah. you know what they had they had the phones that was their key that was their link that was the connection to organized crime was the phone and they followed the phone not the criminal yeah that's why i think it's not legal yeah well they followed the phone and then
1: the phone was was sending all of this data to these servers that yeah. they had There's surveillance warrants over. And then they were looking at the data that they were getting. So it would have been giving them GPS data, you know, names or code names, uh, location data. So based on that and what they were doing, they could pretty easily figure out who they were, right? Especially if they weren't hiding. Mate, they were sending
0: each other selfies and things like that. Like, Oh, my goodness. Like To their mates. Let me give you my final thought here. And this is what I really want everyone to think about because what we're gonna do is we're gonna wait, we're gonna see what happens in this Lithium court, we're gonna see how much more information, because everything is so hidden that we can get once it takes its course, and we're gonna report back to you. But in the interim, I want all of you listening to think about this. If the authorities really wanted to, they could stop ninety nine percent of crimes in Australia, in the United States. How? Imagine a society, and there's many movies made about this, Nico, Minority Report, um, you know, 1984, George Orwell, where it's like a full-blown surveillance state. Everything is surveilled. Like you were saying when we are talking about this uh, in the green room before we came on, Nico, hypothetically, if the police wanted to, they could fine you every time you were speeding. Imagine they were monitoring the speed in your car. Imagine they had a device in your car, a back door that spat out all the metadata of your car. How far What do you mean, man? And- I
1: use I use my phone. Fu- I use the GPS on my on my phone. I use Google Maps. The data in Google Maps alone would be
0: enough to be able to pin me for every time I go speeding. And the only right? reason why they don't is because it's illegal for the authorities to use that data for that reason. Okay? So imagine a society where we used all the technology available to us to eradicate crime. That's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. But that's why we have these laws. And like we were saying at the very outset, in the United States, a lot of what the AFP did in Sydney with those servers, you can't do in the United States because it's unconstitutional. Yeah. They've got
1: the constitutional protections of unreasonable search and seizure, which would prevent this stuff, right? Because in the US, they would need probable cause to be able to get like a a surveillance warrant like this. Right. And they, they wouldn't be able to get it so
0: openly and so broad. Yeah, because they're like following that. the phones, not the criminals, like I keep saying. Yeah. Yeah. So then something you said earlier, I think a lot of listeners might agree with. Who cares, Chad? You're talking about bikies here. You're talking about criminals. We need to, you know, these people are doing drive-bys. They're selling fentanyl-laced drugs that are, you know, causing overdoses and whatnot. We need to get this shit off the streets and we need to put these guys behind bars. Fine. But who decides who the bad guys are? Nico, you gave me this example again when we were talking offline. What happens if the government says, hey, you know what? We don't like protesters anymore. Protesters are in that same camp. So therefore, if you've been to any protest in the history of your life and we know who you are, we're going to fully backdoor your phone. We're going to fully backdoor all of your communications. We're going to impose certain requirements on Google and their data to report back to us because you were a protester. What about if you don't pay tax? Maybe you slipped up on your tax one year. Oh, you're a bad guy. Therefore, we're going to jump in and we're going to monitor every single communication, every movement you have. And hey, look, if we discover you committing any crimes, that's it. You're busted. We can't live in a society like that, and I don't want to get. This is not some like Alex Jones conspiracy theory government surveillance rant. We're we're already there, Chad. They already have the technology to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's why you know in the US they have the Constitution preventing them from that. You know from that technology being used against them in that way. But here in Australia, it's I I just can't get past the idea that it was a complete fishing expedition where they sent eleven thousand phones. Out into the world, and whoever picked up one of these phones, got gotcha. busted. Uh, that's that's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for me, and I fully appreciate that these are bad guys, right? But that's that's the thing, right? Like you go, you go have a look
1: at the the terror laws and these like new hacking power laws that, that the government got given a few years ago under Dutton. A lot of those laws they use the example of oh well. You know, we're trying to cat, catch the, you know, the Nazis and the pedos and the terrorists. They start with, you know, the Nazi pedo terrorists. Yeah, go get them. If you look at those specific, um, like computer hacking laws that they that they created in Australia a few years ago, like the Technical Access and Assistance Bill, the threshold for that was if you were suspected of a two-year indictable offence. Two-year indictable offence. Yeah, that's enough, that, right? That was that was a threshold, but that wasn't the headline. The headline was pedos and terrorists, and got bi- bipartisan support, got waved through Parliament.
0: Yeah, and, and how much of our freedoms? I sound like a cook now. How much of our freedoms are you willing to give up to you know lower that that crime rate? That's why you have probable cause, and I just I, I don't think that they had that here. Anyway, Nico, why don't that was my final thought. Why don't you uh, why don't you finish this off for us?
1: The arguments for the arguments for uh, this case are probably going to get pretty technical, right? Whether 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 police had the right kind of warrant, whether the phone app that had been backdoored was doing surveillance or interception. That's what it's that's. What it's all going to turn on?
0: Yeah, but what um, about the whole justification for the warrant on the servers? What about that? Where's, well, that was, where's the that, probable cause?
1: But but that's the thing. That was that warrant to get that warrant in Australia against
0: those Rick and Morty servers was completely legal. Oh, that's bullshit, man. Anyway, that's my view. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it turns out. Either way, it's going to be an interesting judgment to read. I, I,
0: I can't wait. Yeah, it's me exciting. either. <laughs> hey, mate, on that note, Nico, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate your expertise. We'll chat to you yeah. soon. See you. All ya. right, thanks. Bye. Bye.